This morning as we open up God's Word together, we're going to be looking again in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3 this morning, and we're going to be talking together about second chances. Anybody in here ever needed a second chance? Four or five? When I think about second chances, I think about uh, when Emily and I were, were first dating and you know, in that early stage of the relationship, you're, you're trying to win the affection and the approval of, of the one you're, you know, you're pursuing, and that was Emily. But you also know you have to get you know, her family's approval and the approval of her friends. You kind of want everybody to like you and, and love you. And so I knew that was important. And at the time, I was working at another church, and she told me her friend was coming through town that day, so uh, we were going to have lunch after worship together, which I was excited about, and uh, that church, we had three services, which was awesome, but there was an 8, 9.30, and 11, and if you agree, isn't 8 too early for worship? I know y'all agree, okay? I know y'all agree in here. 8 is very early. The people who are at the small group at 9.15, like, you know, that's about as early as our church will go, but 8 o'clock a.m. is early for worship, so that means I had to get there at 7 a.m., to prepare. And so, you know, you do 7 a.m., you do 8, you do all this stuff. And it's a long day. It's one of those days where you don't just, you know, want a nap. It's a day where you, you need a nap after worship. And so we were, we were going to lunch, and uh, we met her friend for lunch. And I thought we had an amazing lunch. We had a great time together. Um, it was fun meeting people I've, you know, heard so much about. And so we get in the car, going back uh, to my house, and Emily was a little quiet. And... You know when you're in a relationship at the beginning, you don't know how to read somebody exactly, and it was kind of a vibe in the car. I didn't know what the vibe was, but I was like, I don't know if she's sad or tired or mad. I don't know, but I, I wasn't going to ask because um, I was ready to go home and take a nap. Uh, but, but Emily, she usually says what's on her mind. Um, that's a good thing. And um, she said, you know, when it comes to first impressions, they're really important to me. And you don't usually get a second chance with a first impression. And, you know, I really care what my friends think about you. And, I, I, you know, I want them to like you and approve of you. And, and at this point, I was like, uh-oh, this, this is not good. And she said, you know, at lunch today, you were, you were kind of, you seemed tired and, and grumpy. And you made... A bad first impression. And, you know, I wanted to protest in the moment. You know, you kind of want to, you don't want to hear that. But then as I began thinking, I began thinking, you know what? I am kind of tired. I might have been a little grumpy. And then as we're driving in the car early in our relationship, I knew in that moment I needed a second chance. But second chances are hard to come by, and it, it took a little while for me to overcome that little riff with her friend in the beginning of our relationship. But I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a situation. I mean, that's kind of a low-key situation. I mean, it, it was important, but it wasn't, you know, life-changing. But I mean, second chances are something a lot of times we, we, we need in life, we want in life, but they're hard to come by. But I mean, except for when you're little, because when you're little, you get a lot of second chances. I mean, if you have an Etch-a-Sketch, and you mess up, what do you do? You shake it. You get a do-over. That's nice. T-ball with little kids, four years old. Keep missing. 
the coach says, come on, just try again. Schools these days, some, some of the teachers, now they didn't do this when I was growing up, but like if you fail an assignment, sometimes they'll say, hey, go home, study again, and you can retake the test. That's awesome, isn't it? Don't you wish they did that when you were growing up? They'll let you retake the test. But, but as we get older, these things don't happen as much anymore. I mean, you might get a mulligan on the golf course, but when it's after midnight and you fire off that angry email to your boss, you don't always get a second chance, do you? Or, or you have a good friend and it's COVID and you're stressed and you've been virtual schooling, you've been doing all this stuff, and then one day you go off on them, you don't always get a second chance. I mean, think about when you lie to your spouse or you treat your kids poorly, they don't always give you a second chance. And we live in a culture these days where second chances seem to be harder and harder to come by. I mean, you know, that's why they call it cancel culture. Because this happens all of the time. I mean, I, I know from, from your stories and stories of other people in my life, like, like families are broken because people are holding grudges for decades. And this isn't just outside of the church. I mean, this stuff happens inside the church too. Even in the church, a lot of times we don't like to give other people, brothers, sisters in Christ even, second chances. And so when it comes to the kingdom of God and we think about our relationship with God, when we, when we mess up, when we sin in small ways or maybe we, we sin in, in very big ways, we sin against other people, we, we turn our backs on God, like a lot of times we tend to think, you know what? Uh, God and his kingdom that operates like the kingdom of this world and God would never give me a second chance. Or maybe God would give a second chance but not a, a third chance. We tend to believe the kingdom of God is like the kingdoms of this world. But what I want us to see when we open up Jonah chapter three this morning is that we don't serve a God who gives just second chances. We serve a God who gives third chances, fourth chances. We serve the God of another chance. And that's what we see in Jonah chapter 3, in Jonah's story. Because, I mean, if you think about Jonah's story and where we've been so far, if you remember in the beginning, Jonah was a prophet of God. He was called by God to go and give a message, the word of God, to the people called Nineveh. And these were, these were his, his greatest enemies. And what did Jonah do? God said go and Jonah said No. He said no, so he, he fled. He went in the opposite direction. He said, God, I'm not gonna do that. He was disobedient. He ran from God to a city called Joppa, got on a boat. On the boat, God sent a storm. All of the sailors are like, what is going on? And they end up throwing Jonah overboard. Jonah thinks he's going to die when he's swallowed up by a big fish that God appointed for him. He doesn't die. He gets a second chance at life. When Jonah was running from God, God was running towards him. And we saw last week when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he reached out in prayer. He remembered God's word. He, he repented. He turned back towards God. And then he experienced the grace of God as he was vomited out of the, the mouth of a fish. And he's there on dry land when we get to Jonah chapter 3. He has the second chance of life. And then here, Jonah chapter 3 verse 1, God gives him a second chance at his mission, at this task that God has called him to. So we read this, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now, if you notice here, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this is basically the exact same sequence as we saw before. God here is giving Jonah a second chance. And notice the task didn't change. When Jonah was disobedient and ran from God, when God calls him to obedience again, the assignment didn't change. It's still the same. God calls him to go. But this time, verse 3, Jonah obeyed. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. And now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And I mentioned this to you a few weeks ago, but this isn't like me going to Orlando to preach a revival. This isn't like you going to Gatlinburg in the fall. This isn't like Billy Graham going to Madison Square Gardens. Actually, this would be more like a Jewish prophet of God like Jonah in 1941 going to Nazi Germany and proclaiming a word from the living God to them. That's, that's the setting Jonah's in. And so he goes... He goes to this people who had done unthinkable things, who had done war crimes, who were pretty much known as a terrorist state. And he goes and he begins proclaiming a very simple, a very heartwarming, feel-good message. 40 more days and your city will be overthrown. Goes to one block and then he goes to another block. 40 more days and your city will be overturned. And then he goes a little further in and he proclaims this eight-word Sermon. Now, some scholars think maybe this is a summary of the sermon. Others say, you know, this is probably the whole thing. In English, the sermon is eight words. In Hebrew, it's only five words. Five word sermon. Jonah is going and proclaiming everywhere. He's doing what God told him to do. And now, in this five word sermon, the last word is, is, is pretty interesting because in Hebrew, it can mean overthrown or overturned, as in something is going to be overturned and destroyed. But it can also mean something is going to be overthrown and overturned and transformed for the good. And Jonah, we're going to find this out next week as we, we, we look at Jonah and kind of some of his internal thinking when this was happening. But when Jonah was preaching this and he was going around proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh's going to be overthrown, he was excited because he was ready for God to just cast down judgment on these people. And he was ready for his enemies to be destroyed. But the people of Nineveh, when they heard this word of God coming to them, this, this pagan group of people, when they heard this word of God, they heard this as a word of warning with a word of possibility. Let me explain what I mean there. Have you ever, have you ever said to your kids, five more minutes and I'm leaving without you? Anyone ever said that? No, just my mom? Okay. Five more minutes and I'm leaving without you. It's a word of warning. But you know as a kid, there, there's a possibility there, right? Like, okay, if I get ready and get in the car in five minutes, I can go. And so that's kind of how the Ninevites interpreted what's happening here. 40 more days and your city will be overthrown. And they said, well, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll turn to God. 
Maybe we'll, we'll turn from our, our evil and wicked ways and turn to God. And maybe, maybe, just maybe God will give us a second chance. They heard this word of warning with a word of possibility. And then in verse 5, we read this. The Ninevites believed God. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. Now sackcloth, this was a, a very uncomfortable clothing and it was meant to be uncomfortable. It was an outward sign of discomfort that people had within their hearts. And, and so this was an outward sign of, of repentance that people were broken over their lives and what they had been doing. And so when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink a complete fast for all the people and all the animals. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. From the greatest, the king, to the little chickens on the farm, Everyone begins to fast. Everyone begins to turn towards God and say, perhaps God will give us a second chance. And, and, and what we see happening here is, is a miracle that, that these people who, who had been so fierce against God's people had done terrible things. I mean, this is a miracle that through this five-word sermon, they begin to turn their hearts to God, to turn from their evil and wicked ways and turn towards Him. I mean, this is amazing stuff here. And what's also interesting is they realized they weren't in control. They weren't trying to manipulate God. They said, look, we're going to turn towards him. We're going to turn from our evil ways. They said, look, who knows? We don't know if God is going to relent or have mercy on us. But, but we know this is what we need to do. And they were hoping that God would give them a second chance as a people. These people who had done terrible things. And the good news we see in verse 10 is this, that when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Our God, our God who is full of mercy, who is slow to anger, who is abounding with steadfast love. He saw the Ninevites' repentance. He saw their belief, and he didn't turn over their city and destroy it. Instead, he turned over their city, he turned over their hearts, and he turned it towards good and towards him. They listened, they obeyed, God relented, and he poured out his compassion on this people. And he gave them a second chance. Now, when it comes to the book of Jonah, a lot of times we think Jonah is about a whale. 
If you go and you ask kids what, what the book of Jonah is about, they're going to say it's about a big fish. But, but in chapter 3, and really when we zoom out and we look at Jonah as a whole, we see the fish is only mentioned in three verses. So ultimately, I don't think Jonah is about a big fish. Instead, I think Jonah is about a big God. Jonah is about our big God, our God who is holy, who is righteous, who is just, our God who is also merciful and compassionate and who sent his one and only son in this world to take the punishment that we deserved upon himself so that we, all of humanity, could be forgiven, could be set free, could have a second chance with God. You see, the book of Jonah, I think ultimately what Jonah's doing, Jonah the prophet of God, is it's meant to point us to a greater prophet, the prophet Jesus. Jesus, who, who was called by God, who was sent to his enemies. Jesus, who was obedient when Jonah ran from his enemies in the call of God and was disobedient. Jesus, who laid down his life in self-sacrifice while Jonah laid down, well, didn't lay down his life. He was scared and he was worried about self-protection. Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. And what this story is meant to do is to point us to Jesus, the prophet of God, sent by God to the people of God with the word of God to rescue and redeem us and to give us a second chance. That's what Jesus has done for you and for me. And because of what Jesus has done, we can have a do-over. Because of what Jesus has done, we can have a do-over. And this week as I was studying, studying the scripture, I began to kind of notice uh, that there were, there were three main actions in this story. I mean, if I was to summarize Jonah chapter 3 for a book report, I would say this. Jonah obeyed, the Ninevites repented and believed, and God had compassion. God poured out compassion upon his people. And I think when we think about these, these, these three actions here, uh, this action of belief and repentance, of obedience and God pouring out his mercy, I think when it comes to actually receiving and experiencing a second chance from God today, I think all three of these elements are needed. And when it comes to experiencing a second chance with God let me just tell you this, because a lot of times we, we get the order of things wrong. It doesn't begin with us and what we do. Receiving a second chance from God begins with him and who he is. And scripture tells us that God is love. He's full of compassion. His heart is for you. He doesn't desire that any evil people would perish, but that all would turn in faith to him. Experiencing a second chance with God, it begins with realizing God loves you. God likes you. God is for you. And that God expressed his love through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. It begins with, with knowing that reality and experiencing it in your heart. It begins with God pouring out his compassion. But then there is a part for us to play. There's a part for us to play, and we, we see it's what the Ninevites did, right? They, they repented and they believed. They repented and believed. And, and we talked about repentance a little bit last week. Repentance basically means to turn or to return. To turn from evil 
sin and wicked ways and to turn from, from walking away from God and to turn or to return towards God, to God's goodness, to his mercy, to the path of life he's calling us to. And repentance is not something that's popular in our culture. You go on the news, you very rarely hear people sharing stories of repentance. You might get a non-apology apology. Very little repentance. Repentance is hard for us because it requires us to be brutally honest. To be honest with ourselves about the things we've done. The ways we've treated other people. The ways we've treated ourselves, the ways we've treated God. Repentance requires a brutal honesty and a reckoning with ourselves. And it should lead us to brokenness. Brokenness over our sin and the things we've done. A lot of times we don't like to do that. We like to just rush on about our lives. But a second chance from God, I mean, part of it is, is us repenting. Turning towards him with our hearts, hearts, minds, hands. But then there's belief as well. They repented and they believed. Believe is putting our confidence, putting our trust in someone or something. And so here we're called to believe. We're called to believe in God and in his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And repentance and belief have to go together because, because if we have belief without repentance, well, here's the thing, even the demons believe. The demons believe in Jesus Christ and that he rose from the dead. But they're not repenting. And then if, if you repent but you don't believe, well, when you're trying to turn and to do things differently, what you're going to find is that it's just a, a poor behavior modification scheme because you're not going to have the power on your own to do good and to turn towards God. And so we need repentance and belief. We need to believe that, that God loves us and God's power gives us the ability to turn towards him as we repent. And when we repent and when we believe, Scripture tells us that when we do that for the first time, we are born again. We're born again. And do you know what, what's behind the idea of being born again? A second chance. A second chance. Chance. And if you're here this morning and you have never repented of your sin and believed in Jesus Christ, this is an offer for you this morning. This is an offer for you. You can be born again. You can have a second chance with God and reconciliation and redemption in your relationship with Him. But even once you've been born again, the life of a Christian is one of continual repentance and belief. Because as we go on sinning, as we're on this journey of sanctification being made more like Christ, we're going to mess up along the way. We're going to sin. We're going to fall short. And so what are we called to do? We're called to repent, to turn again, to, to return to God each and every day and believe once again that his mercy is new for us every morning and that his power is at work within us, transforming us. 
And a lot of times it's a slow process and it's a painful process when we, when we think, God, I know you and I love you and here I am again. But part of belief is believing what Jesus taught, that he will forgive us 70 times seven, that he will give us the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the 69th chance, the 70th chance. And so our journey is one of repenting and believing. But then there's that third aspect that we see Jonah doing. He was obedient. Here this time when God says go, Jonah says yes. He goes to his enemies and he proclaims the compassion, the judgment and the compassion of God. And we're, we're called to go as well. We're called to go and to share this message with all people. We're called to go and to love our enemies. We're called as people who've received a second chance from God. We're called to extend that in our relationships with other people inside and outside the church. We're called to go and be his witnesses. And I know this can sound kind of kind of theoretical. Can sound theoretical. Maybe you think, you know what, that's for other people, but that's not for me. But this morning, God is saying it is for you. You can have a do-over because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And, and I'll tell you this, like I've experienced it myself. I've experienced God's transforming power. He has turned over my life and he continues to turn it over. And, and as a pastor, I continue daily to repent and to believe. And, and I've, I have the front row seat. I have the opportunity to see God transforming people's lives and giving them second, third, and fourth chances as well. And it's a beautiful thing. And I, I probably never saw this more on display than when I used to lead a, a, a prison Bible study in my late 20s. Every Monday night, I would go with another leader and we would buzz in. They'd inspect us. We'd go to the laundry room. And they'd make an announcement over the intercom. Sometimes nobody showed up. Sometimes one person showed up. One time they were on lockdown and like 50 people showed up because they wanted to get out of there. <laughs> get out of their cells. That was a good one. I've, I've told this story a while back, but one time, I mean, I, I've seen people who, who murdered other people receive second chances from God and be spiritual leaders in the prison. I've seen people who had brokenness in their families have reconciliation. And there was a guy named Cody, and, and this guy, one day he came up to me, and he had been in Bible study a while, and he said, Pastor, I want a second chance. I've repented. I've believed and now I want to be obedient. I want to be obedient to God and I want to get baptized. And so I had the privilege of baptizing this man. The next week he came up to me and he said, I want to show you something. He started unbuttoning his shirt. It was a little awkward. And he pulled back his shirt and there was a huge tattoo on his chest. And he said, last week this tattoo, it was a, it was a skull. He said, I've had it for many years. But after I was baptized, I realized that God wanted to, to transform 
this skull as he transformed me. And so he found somebody with a homemade tattoo gun. And they had redone the tattoo and it had become a tree. And he said, this skull has become a tree of life because that's what my life is. I've moved from death to new life and strength. And God, this tattoo was an outward invisible sign like his baptism of God's transforming work in him and how God had overturned him and given him a second chance. And this morning, maybe, maybe you've never done anything to land you in a jail. But maybe you're in a jail of your own creation. You, you're, you feel imprisoned and chained down by guilt by shame, condemnation because of the decisions you've made and the ways you've treated other people. Maybe you feel like this is a word for other people but not for you. Maybe you feel like if anybody in this room ever really knew what you have done and knew your story, that we would all vote against you. But this morning, what I want you to know what we see in Jonah's story, what we see Jesus making possible for us through the cross is that God is a God of another chance. And he wants to give each and every one of us another chance even today. And so this week I felt led to kind of close our time together with a time, a time of repentance because we like to rush from one thing to another to, to say, hey, that's a great message and never do anything about it or go get, get lunch. What, what we're going to do here as we close is we're going to have a time of, of silence where you can simply come before God, get honest with him and, and say, here is what I've done. Confess your sins to him. And to say, God, I, I need your power to turn from these things, but I want to turn towards you. We're going to give you an opportunity to repent, to believe the good news once again. And then after a time of silent repentance, we're going to, we're going to pray a prayer of confession together and we'll sing our closing song. But this morning, would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads? And we're just going to give you give you space to kind of do business with God. He's not an angry father ready to scold you. He is a loving father who wants to embrace you.
I now invite you to pray this, this prayer that's going to be on the screen together. Merciful God, we confess we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not always heard the cry of the needy. That's our prayer, God. And now as the people of God, I want to read this verse from Paul's letter to the Romans to you. And I want you to hear this good news that God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And what that means is that when we repent, when we believe and begin to live in obedience, the good news is that you are a forgiven people and that God has given you a second chance, a third chance. God has given you another chance. And so as God's forgiven and redeemed people, we invite you to stand and sing and give thanks to the Lord our God and for his mercy, for his compassion, for his steadfast love.